Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, Claire Barrett here. Money Clinic is taking a break for the next couple of weeks while we record some fresh episodes. But I've been catching up with some of our previous guests to find out where they are on their financial journey now. Back in October last year, I spoke to listener Rosanna in London, who was trying to keep her bespoke jewellery business afloat during the pandemic. I called up two experts on entrepreneurship to help her with the best tactics to shore up her small business during lockdown. At the end of the episode, we'll be getting a full update from Rosanna about what happened next and how, under lockdown, she's been able to grow her business in new and surprising ways. News that the UK is to be plunged into a fresh lockdown could not have come at a worse time for millions of small businesses who rely on Christmas trading to see them through the rest of the year. It's been a roller coaster. March, we found out that we were going into lockdown and I straight away started to panic. I didn't know how I was going to make any jewellery. I didn't know how the business would survive, especially having to close the shop. 29-year-old jewellery designer Rosanna Croft had been hoping this year to expand her business by moving to London. But for many of her customers, who are couples planning a fairytale marriage, their wedding bells have been silenced. I've noticed things really quieting down. It's normally the run-up to Christmas, we're normally extremely busy and I'm seeing clients every day and that hasn't been the case. And then obviously now we're in another lockdown. With the challenges mounting up, will Rosanna's plans to expand her business have a happy ending? Welcome to Money Clinic, the weekly podcast from the Financial Times dedicated to tackling real-life financial issues. I'm Claire Barrett, the FT's Consumer Editor. Today, we're seeing the world through the eyes of small businesses like Rosanna's and how they can manage their finances and marketing to best survive the pandemic. Like the most successful entrepreneurs, Rosanna has a passion for what she does, jewellery making. Rosanna, tell me, how did you get into the jewellery business? Well, I remember going through my grandma's jewellery box and I was just in awe of all the gemstones and the shiny things. But leaving school, I tried fashion design and absolutely hated it. So I did a jewellery design and manufacture course and absolutely loved it and found my passion, which I'm very fortunate. And she's carved out a niche making bespoke jewellery. 
I specialise in jewellery redesign. So it's all generally fine jewellery and we create something new and that will carry on being passed down through generations. Rosanna opened her first shop on a five-year lease in Bakewell, a tourist hotspot in central England, when she was just 24 years old. With the UK locking down in March and that lease about to expire, she decided to shut up shop. There was the, how am I going to make any money? How am I going to survive? How am I going to pay rent? And then I actually think we were very fortunate with the financial support that we were given when COVID hit with the grants that helped cover the premises costs. Ready to take her business to the next level, Rosanna decided to relocate to London to better serve her main customers planning weddings. In July, she set up a workshop in the capital's world-famous jewellery district, Hatton Garden. But the pandemic has put off her clients, and now her finances are under pressure. How are you feeling ahead of this second lockdown, which at the time of our recording is due to come in in a couple of days? I am extremely anxious. I've had to do a lot of breathing this morning. Um, I think it feels worse than the first time, maybe because I know that the government can't keep supporting us the way that they did the first time. Now that she no longer has a shop, Rosanna finds most of her clients through word of mouth and on social media channels like Instagram. However, they're not generating the number of sales they used to. And as weddings are being cancelled, so are her orders for bespoke jewellery. I had a gentleman, I had been redesigning his grandmother's wedding ring and make it into an engagement ring for his girlfriend. We had the design set and ready to go and then we didn't make it at all. And I've had a couple of others like that with wedding rings Now, I can understand because it's a financial investment and people kind of don't want to let go of that cash. Despite the pandemic, Rosanna's approach since July has been to invest the majority of the cash she makes back into the business. But she's worried about her skills handling her finances. So looking ahead, Rosanna, what are you the most concerned about at this point with your business? Being a creative, money management has never really been one of my top skills. Mm -hmm. So what I have done since coming out of lockdown and because we thought that we were somewhat in the clear, I've been investing more into my business and trying to grow it. And so now do I, to try and see myself through lockdown, through a recession, how do I keep investing or do I batten down the hatches and stop spending altogether? Cash flow is something that I've actually always struggled with. And then you panic more and you're probably a bit more irrational with money and spending. So are there any tips on managing cash flow? And the problems created by the pandemic don't stop there. Since her move to London, Rosanna's also changed her accounting practices. No longer a sole trader, she's a director of her own limited company and wonders how this will affect any government funding support. My worries are that I won't be eligible for the support. I don't think I'm in a position to furlough myself. I believe that's the only support available and I'm worried that I'm not eligible for that. And then I won't have any financial support and then I might starve. <laughs> but I'm, I'm glad that you're looking on the bright side. Well, I think small businesses in the UK and elsewhere will feel Rosanna's pain as entrepreneurs everywhere rapidly adapt to cope with the pandemic. 
Obviously, she needs some financial guidance, but I also sensed Rosanna needed some creative inspiration, something that our first expert has in droves. My name is Sully Brakes. I'm a poet and I'm a writer. As a creative, I've become particularly involved in consulting and assisting startups grow their business in a creative capacity. Recently, I've started my own podcast called Seven Figures, which focuses on teaching financial literacy, entrepreneurship, and the skills learned to build a seven-figure business from people that have actually done it. Well, I've actually learned a lot from listening to it myself, not in the least, how so many entrepreneurs like Rosanna keep going, trying to do everything themselves um, for a really, really long time. And I think that's one of the things that we agree. She needs to delegate more. I think Rosanna's in a situation that a lot of people can relate to. And one of the things I've always been able to hold on to is that if you create something of quality and of a high level, there's always going to be a demand for it. I looked at her stuff and it's very, very high level. It's very unique. And, and I mean, it, it speaks for itself, you know what I mean? And I think if the product is in a good place, the business will always be in a better place. But talent alone won't pay the bills. She describes herself as a creative rather than a money manager. Now, in your experience chatting to entrepreneurs, is this a problem that a lot of them tend to have? A lot of entrepreneurs are creatives and essentially the, the essence of entrepreneurship is being creative. And you do tend to find that when people are more creative when it comes to their business, they tend to neglect the more logistical and kind of like um, accounting roles and, and um, responsibilities. So the fact that she describes herself as creative, a lot of people think it have negative connotations, but I feel like that's a running theme through most entrepreneurs because that's how you come up with ideas. That's how you come up with new strategies. What I have found that people have done to combat that is that they've always been able to partner or hire somebody who's able to handle the logistics. For many entrepreneurs like Rosanna, this won't be something they can afford at first, as Sully knows himself. Now, me, someone who also started out like as a small business, I understand the difficulty of not having enough money to hire or pay someone full time. So what I have learned to do is put processes in place. I think if you're running a business and you're creative and you're the sole person running the business, I found that a lot of entrepreneurs have processes and formats in place that allow them to facilitate for that area. But it's made in a way that like, they, they need to be taught how to do it once and then they just manage it. Making bespoke jewellery for weddings is Rosanna's main source of income, but Suli wonders if she could diversify. I think every business module where most of the people I spoke to always have different tiers to their business, you know. So in the sense that they're able to have a tier for the more affluent customers, they're able to have a more like medium tier, and then they're able to have a lower tier, which is more accessible to everyone. Another thing Rosanna could consider, Suli says, is marketing her own creative skills as a teacher. What I've found is, especially during the pandemic, a space that has really become accessible for people with skills is the educational space. If you have a certain skill set, there's a way to not only just sell the products, but also a way to make it a service that you can provide to people who may want to be getting into the industry. There's multiple ways to create different streams from the same product, which she may be able to explore during this time when people are looking for different ways to access market or they're trying to get courses or be educated. Rosanna is already using social media to tell her story, but Suli thinks she shouldn't ignore the old school ways of marketing. Instagram is a great platform for visibility and for kind of like interest. From people in my experience, nothing beats having a mailing list and having the email direct marketing kind of outlet whereby 
entrepreneurs have been able to contact people with new offers, contact them with like um, um, extra services, but keep a constant communication. Instagram tends to work on the algorithm. It tends to work on kind of like whatever the social media network is favoring at that moment in time. So it's a good basis for a business, but also with a mailing list, there's so much you can educate yourself on as to how you can maximize it, how you can increase the click-through rate and how you can also um, kind of upsell and downsell and all these different things that you can't necessarily do on Instagram. Let's turn to cash flow. Now, it's the lifeblood of any business and Rosanna is especially worried about hers. But at the same time, she knows that she's got to keep investing in her business to regenerate, get through the lockdown. How can she find a balance? I think this would be a time to kind of like focus more on your marketing efforts and reduce your costs, especially when you are creative. You have to be able to have that mental space and security. Um, A guest we had on the show, Mark Tilbury, he always advocates for having an emergency fund. Before he starts his business, he has an emergency fund that he knows take care of his living expenses and his livelihoods. So I think I'll tell her to balance out her living expenses first, prioritise that. And then when she can start to forecast and see the future a bit more, then start reinvesting to the same extent as she was before. From one creative entrepreneur to another, I really think Rosanna will appreciate Sumi's insights. But she also needs some practical financial guidance to see her business through the pandemic. Now, somebody who does this as his day job is our second expert, Andy Chamberlain, who's head of policy at IPSE, the Association of Independent Professionals and the Self-Employed. Andy, Rosanna describes herself as a creative rather than a money manager. Now, in your experience, is this a problem that a lot of small businesses and entrepreneurs have? Yes, Claire, we hear this a lot. So most self-employed people have a passion for what they do. That's what drives them. And without that passion, they wouldn't be able to put up with the challenges that all self-employed people face, such as fluctuating incomes, feeling isolated, feeling anxious to mental health problems that Rosanna referred to as well. Mm. So it's important that you have that passion. But very often it's the case that people don't have business skills when they go into business. So Andy's main advice is to learn those business skills to survive and thrive. So the first one is keep good records and keep it simple. So what's the money coming in and what's the money going out? At least you can then know what the situation is so that you can address it. And then look at things like your spending. You can't always control how much business is coming in. You can do all you can. But what you can have more control of is what's the money going out. So far, so straightforward. Other things that you could consider, and I don't know whether this would be appropriate in the current climate and for Rosanna, would be considering putting up your prices. It might be a way to get more money in, but of course it might put off your customers as well. So that's a difficult thing that all businesses have to think of for themselves. And maybe look at getting deposits paid. Perhaps Rosanna already does this. I know that some of the jewellery that she makes is quite valuable. But if you can get some of that money coming in the door up front, that's going to help your cash flow. And he also suggested Rosanna could look to borrow money cheaply through a new state-backed scheme in the UK. So the one that everyone's talking about right now are bounce-back loans. These mm. are government-backed loans. They're on pretty agreeable terms. And we just heard that the government were going to extend the deadline for applying for those loans to the end of January. Bounce-back loans have proved extremely popular with small businesses, which can borrow up to a quarter of their usual turnover. There's nothing to pay back for the first year, 
and for that year, no interest is charged. After that, it's possible to spread your repayments over nine years. The British Business Bank's website will tell you if your lender offers bounce-back loans. However, in recent weeks, banks have become much more fussy about who they will lend to. What about other forms of government help? As we feared, Andy confirmed that as a limited company director, Rosanna won't be able to access grants to help the self-employed. So Rosanna touched on this. Previously, she was a sole trader, which meant that her business wasn't incorporated. There was no company structure around it. And as a sole trader, Rosanna was able to access the self-employment income support scheme, which we've just heard is going to be made a little bit more generous. However, Rosanna has incorporated her business, which means she cannot access that scheme anymore. As a limited company director, her options are much more limited. This is something that we have done a lot of campaigning about since the beginning of the pandemic. Company directors are not being as well supported. Andy's entirely right, and the exclusion of directors from support is also something I've been campaigning against on the comment pages of the FT. But Andy stressed that Rosanna could benefit from other measures to help businesses manage their cash flow. There are possibly some other options. One of them is tax deferrals. You can defer VAT payments. There is also the option to defer self-assessment payments, which are going to be due in January. So have a look at those things. There's business rate holidays, which are available, but I'm not sure whether Rosanna's workshop would be deemed as a shop, which it would have to be to make use of that one. There's also things called the business support grants and the retail hospitality and leisure grants. The retail grant might be available. However, you have to apply to your local authority for that. So some potential levers for Rosanna to pull there. But above all, Andy felt that she herself was the biggest asset in her business. So she should find new ways to use marketing and social media to connect with her clients under lockdown. One of the things that strikes me listening to Rosanna is that she's a good communicator, clearly passionate about what she does. And I can imagine that a big selling point of her business is her. And so if you take her out of it and you're just dealing with the jewellery, I can see that that's going to be a blow to the business. So I'd be looking for ways to get Rosanna back in front of the customers, even if it is on the other side of a computer screen. Or on the other end of the line. I caught up with Rosanna, who spoke to us from her jewellery workshop in Hatton Garden. Were there any gems in what our experts had to say? Um, Yes, a couple of gems, actually. Suni's advice around focusing on marketing and reducing costs, being visible and putting more content out there. It's great to hear that from another creative and entrepreneur. I also actually found it interesting, the advice around maybe something educational. um, Perhaps the word that seems to be the magic word at the moment is pivot. So trying something else to bring in another stream of income and Andy's advice around the grants and the bounce back loan is the practical stuff that can help with the cash flow at the moment and keep good records and keep it simple is something I wish I'd been told five years ago. Keeping the records is something I find it quite overwhelming. So keeping those records and having them to go back on is something that I think will really help in the future. And when I am ready to start investing more of the cash into the business again. And as Suli said, there are loads of apps that you can use to help you get a handle on things, you know, digital helping hands that can stand in for a hired help. But 
hearing what both of the experts said about taking your business through this challenging phase, does their advice help you to deal with your feelings of anxiety about the future? Yeah, massively. Um, I actually got a little bit emotional when Suli said that, you know, he had a look at what I've done and um, it's obviously quite high level and hearing Andy say that the passion is obvious, that hearing those words does calm you and it makes you realise that actually, no, you're doing okay and just ride it out with the rest of us. Everybody's going through a similar thing. Also, when you and Suli were talking about delegating, something I really struggle with is delegating. So I the struggle apps, with it too. Oh, it is. <laughs> and I'm it, not self-employed. But. And, well, do you know, I just, I don't know. So I think that his advice around putting some processes in place to kind of make my work day easier would take a lot of the stress off. I think all of that could help a solopreneur like myself um, solopreneur I don't, I don't, like, I don't like that word but <laughs> it seems to be what we're called at the minute so yes a solopreneur like myself I think that it could help me just run the business a bit smoother well lots of things to put on your to-do list <laughs> to, to try out but my final thought to you was actually something that Andy said and he said you know you are such a big selling point for your brand for mm-hmm. the things that you're making and I think we're all spending more time online under lockdown conditions you're already growing your presence so well on social media and on instagram you talk about telling people's stories through their jewelry but i'd like to see you using your instagram stories to bring some of that to life yourself because i completely agree with what andy said you're a great communicator i love to share and it is one of those things where i think it's getting over the the fear of Um, putting yourself out there and just doing it. Well, Rosanna, we've really enjoyed hearing your story on the Money Clinic podcast, so I do wish you all the best for the future. And who knows, when the lockdown is lifted, I may even pedal over to Hatton (laughs) Garden and um, have a go on that hammer of yours. This has been so helpful and made me feel much more positive about the situation. So thank you very much. And yes, you're more than welcome to come and use my hammer. (laughs) Brilliant, thanks. It's been five months since Rosanna chatted to me on Money Clinic, and I was eager to hear about the next chapter in her money story. Hello, how are you? Oh, it's so good to hear your voice. (laughs) And you? I just wanted to tell you, for my 30th last week, my boyfriend got me a copy of the FT from the day I was born. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Gosh, that's a really good idea. It was 50p to buy 30 years ago, and I think he spent 40 quid on it. Gosh, wow. I know. And the other thing I wanted to tell you was maybe two days after the podcast was released, I had a lady contact me. I've been looking for somebody like you um, and I redesigned her engagement ring that was falling to pieces. Oh. Yeah. I mean, when we spoke last year, it was just before the second lockdown came in. And we've got a little bit more to be hopeful about now um, of this plan to you know, unlock things properly from the 21st of June. I mean, is that yet translating into any more work for you? Well, the second that Boris made his announcement, I did have a flurry of people email me to say, 
it's looking like we can get married this year, which was really nice. And to be honest, yes, last year was very worrying and I was very anxious going into Christmas and subsequently had the quietest December for sales that I've ever experienced. But this January, February, the inquiries for engagement rings and not necessarily wedding rings yet, but even jewellery redesign, everything has picked up. Yes. And I mean, have you made any changes since you came on the podcast last November? Yes, I really have started focusing on my marketing. I've also <laughs> tried to delegate more, and which was one of the big things that kind of hit me from Suli's advice was delegate and be more organised, which I have taken on board. And, and even if I can't go to the workbench, it's still doing the marketing and the social media and you know keeping up to date with accounts and things. It's still a full-time job in itself. How has delegating and being more organised made a difference for you? It just helps take the kind of fog out of your brain and you know exactly who's doing what. You know, I've started working with a podcast manager and a virtual assistant just to kind of clear my schedule a little bit. So tell me more about the podcast. What's this going to be? It's called Design Your Legacy. So do you know what? It took me ages to come up with that name and it just seems like the most simple and straightforward thing. But yeah. Don't talk to me about how long it takes to come up with podcast names. (laughs) (laughs) It took us about three months, I think. Oh, funny. So conversations with women about their life, the legacy that they're leaving and the jewellery, because I have, I believe that we carry a lot of our legacy in our jewellery It's how we're remembered. You know, it's what's passed down throughout generations. And that's a lot of what I do. Series two was released last week. So it's, uh, it's great fun. I will add you to my playlist. But going back to the money side of things, Andy and Suli talked about some ways that you could potentially access loans and other forms of government support. Have you followed any of those up? Yes. So I did follow up with the bounce back loan, which I think is incredible. Having access to such a cheap loan that you can pay back over so many years is beneficial in many different ways because hopefully the business won't notice the repayments leaving the account but also it's kept me you know day to day I'm still able to do what I love Um, and I think that's had benefits on my mental health as well as the business's health. Hmm. And Rosanna what advice would you give to other listeners who are perhaps going through the same situation that you are with their small businesses? I know it's easier said than done, but really, really try and focus on the positives and be grateful for what you can be because that has a massive positive impact on your mental health, but also seek support. If you need support from family or friends because you're not in it on your own, and I think one of the biggest things is at the moment is having connection to people in a similar situation to yourself and a, a community. Well, thanks so much for coming back on Money Clinic today and updating us on how you're getting on. I think you have such a unique business and such an amazing way, frankly, of marketing it through a podcast. Mm. You couldn't make it up. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. 
Rosanna's reshaped her business under lockdown, and let's hope things continue to sparkle for her as the economy opens back up again. That's it from Money Clinic with me, Claire Barrett, this week, and we hope you like what you've heard. If you would like to chat with me on a future episode of the show and get some expert thoughts on a money issue that's bugging you, then email me. The address is money at ft.com. Want to read more? Check out the show notes for links to articles I've written on these topics. You can take a peek at our website, ft.com slash money, grab a copy of the FT Weekend newspaper, or follow us on Twitter at ftmoney. Money Clinic was produced in London by Josh Delamere and Persis Love. Our sound engineer is Breen Turner and our editor is Amy Keane. And the original music is by Metaphor Music. And finally, just so you know, the Money Clinic podcast is a general discussion around financial topics and does not constitute an investment recommendation or individual financial advice. For that, you'll need to find an independent financial advisor. That's the small print over and done with. See you back here next week. Goodbye. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.